Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. My voice sounds a little bit different today. I've got a little bit of a cold. Did a lot of handshaking this weekend. We actually actually did uh, our seminar called the Harder Way Seminar. So it's about all the great things we talk about on this podcast. Uh, We did it in real life, and it was was really great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed the people we met. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I found some of them inspiring. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Some of them had some really amazing testimonies. And, which well, was and just cool. the fact that some, you know, there were a couple there that were ninety years old and were fit as a fiddle and sharp and not even wearing hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and speaking okay. of handshakes, really strong handshakes. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, man, I want to be like you. So mm-hmm. I went out and started doing yard work, and and uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> just inspired by that. Yeah, and you know, I have also. Uh, I've been hearing the same story from a lot of people uh, in, in the last few uh, few weeks, and I just wanted to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, what kind of story are you talking about here? Well, it's a kind of a general theme, so I'll generalize it a little bit. But you okay. know, we talk a lot on our podcast about when uh, persecution comes, or or the fact that it's here and it's increasing, and we speak about it kind of in a natural. Uh, a national or a regional kind of a sense as it happening to Christians in general, like increasing religious restriction that's coming from the government or uh, from your employer. Yeah, you know, we tend to think of lesser restrictions more like on a, a family level. You know, we think of Aunt Betty's mad at you uh, because you didn't come to Billy's baseball game on a Sunday morning, you chose to go to church instead. You know, she's tried to restrict you in that way. She persecuted you by screaming and yelling at you and uh, maybe not talking to you anymore or something like that. And for me personally, I think I've tended to relegate that type of persecution and restriction uh, to that level. Mm, like something that's not that serious, basically. Yeah, I like, mean, it's kind of like... It gets hurtful, but it's, you'll get over it. Yeah, these are small things. Use them as learning experiences. Mm-hmm. Use them to grow. They're stepping stones to dealing with bigger Fighting bigger battles. These right. are the lions and bears. The little training grounds. The lions and bears before Goliath. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I've been hearing some stories from people lately, and I need to correct my position. Mm, really? Yeah. So let me. The basic the basic idea is this, and I'm kind of stuttering a little bit about it because it's I don't want to tell anybody's story specifically on right. the podcast right. because people have a right to their privacy and. We don't, I don't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. you know, but in general, I have encountered a number of people whose families on some part of the family have been caught up into this modern, uh, well, it's, it's a sex cult is what it is of, you know, of human sexuality being changed and transgenderism and homosexuality and 
all of the different uh, all of the different things that are going on culturally right now around the world, by the way, not just yeah. in the U.S. And family members have said to the Christians in the family, "You either not only do you have to um, accept this person who's become transgender or is is being married in a homosexual marriage or or done some other thing, uh, any of the kind of." Things that you would kind of think of in that category. Yeah. Not only do you have to accept them, but you have to renounce your objections to them. And to and many of these people, that looks like renouncing your faith. Mm. So they're really being asked to choose between their Christian faith and their family members. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? And it gets worse. Yes, and it gets worse. It gets worse. Okay. Ugh. It gets worse. People who, and, and this is not just one person. These are multiples of people. Mm-hmm. People who've been married for decades are getting divorced or splitting up because one is chosen to follow their faith and one is chosen to uh, succumb or to comply with the demands of of someone in the family or uh, who has uh, gone down the, the road wow. of our culture. Wow. That is, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking thinking about that because if you're, the, you know, the spouse or the parent or the sibling who says, you know, I have to choose my faith, then you're losing your family. Which, you know, we talk about the fact that, you know, obviously our relationship with, with Christ comes first and foremost, but here on earth, our relationships with our spouses, our children, our families are should be our most important priorities besides that. And so for those things to be to be taken away, for you to be forced to choose and then left kind of in the lurch on your own. I can't imagine the amount of faith that it takes to make that choice to say, you know what, I'm going to choose the harder way and I have to choose my faith. I have to choose my savior over the people that I love most in this world. Yeah. And I think this is why, this is why persecution has such a powerful and purifying effect on the church. And I, we always go back to this. We saw this a little bit in COVID where the government placed restrictions on the church. And um, the end result, and I'm not talking about the immediate result where there was division over where's the faith and, and this and, and all that. I'm not mm-hmm. talk, we're not going to go down that but road But once it today. was all kind of over. Once the dust settled, right, we see that, you know, roughly a third of the church is gone. Because they stopped going to church during COVID and then they realized my life's not really any worse off for not going, or I guess it's really not as important yeah. to me as I thought yeah. it was. And so they just never came back. Yeah, it's crazy. And so yeah, and it's not crazy; it's expected. Right? Yeah, we but, say all oh, that's so crazy, but really, if you know, if you listen to any of our podcasts, we, you know, we talk about that kind of thing a lot. That that those sorts of restrictions can have that purifying effect. That because there are people that are in your church. This is for all the pastors out there. Don't assume that every person that is a member of your church is a true believer, is a true Christian, because there are people that are just kind of going through the motions, that are just kind of going to hang out, going for the programs. Well, you know, here's here's an example. 
you know, um, as a person who I've been married to your mom for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, but I thought I was in love several times before I met your mom. Hmm. And then when I met her, I mean, I knew within a very short period of time, I knew within weeks of meeting her, if, if I even allow myself to get close to this girl, I'm going to, I'm never going to want to be away from her. I'm going to love her for the rest of my life. I just knew it. Mm, and wow. and once we decided we were going to start dating, it was, we were making, it was over at we that were point. making wedding plans within a month. Wow. I mean, we were married within nine months of the time we started dating. Mm, and wow. we would have been married sooner if it would have been more plausible just to get everybody together and get to some place to do the wedding. And we did a regular wedding and all that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that is a, is, has a correlation to what we see in the church. Okay. Okay. So because you said um, people, there's people in your church that aren't, that they're just kind of going along through the motions. Yeah. And, we might right. say like false converts, I guess, if you want to use that phrase. Right. And those, those, those phrases are all, to me, they're kind of harsh. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I'm a person who's who tends to speak harshly in general. More anyway, blunt. so for yeah. blunt. So, <laughs> so if for, you're saying it's harsh, it's probably harsh. <laughs> uh, let me suggest a better. Um, let me suggest a better way to say that. Okay. It's like the thinking you're in love until you've actually been in love. Oh. See, I think there's now people in the church that think, yeah, I'm a Christian, mm. but they've never. But this is this is puppy love. They've never really been in love. Wow. And they they think being a Christian is just going to church and doing the stuff and paying my tithe. And it's like, no, it's about Jesus being the king of your life. It's about being translated to being not of this world, to being mm. part of a different kingdom. It's about your highest and first love and the love that you can never reject. I mean, there's there's nothing you can do to me that you that would make me be uh, willing to stop loving your mother. Hmm. There's nothing you could do. Now she could reject me, but there's nothing anybody else could do to make me stop loving her. How much more so than it should it be in our relationship with the Lord? Right. There's nothing anybody could do. And it's not like it, because it's, it's not like I'm saying I'm so tough or I'm so strong or my love is so great. It's not that it's that it's, it's, it's sunk down into my being. And asking me to stop loving your mom, or and as we're talking about, stop loving the Lord, is like asking me to stop breathing. It's like asking me to mm. to stop existing because it's so because the two have become one flesh. Well, and and something that is not as often talked about is the fact that the marriage relationship, the covenant between two people is supposed to be a picture of the relationship between us and Jesus, between Christ and his church. And so, you know, kind of like you said, how much greater then should our love and devotion be to Christ? And even more so, if we want to think about his his love and devotion to us as something we can't even understand or fathom. Right. And so my, and so my love, and this is scriptural, uh, it's a scripture that's often misunderstood, but my love for your mother... My love for Jesus compared to your mother should be so great that if you put them on a scale, you would say, oh, do you hate their mother? Not that I would hate her, but that it's, it's so far beyond. And of course, I want your mom to have that same love for Jesus. But right. I think that when we have these kinds of, these kinds of trials, 
these kinds of restrictions that people want to place on us, these kinds of choices that come our way, it can get that that's when the rubber meets the road, as it were, and that's when we find out, do I really love Jesus? Do I, am I really a Christian? You know, I think that's when that time when Jesus says, you know, in those days, people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this, that, and the other thing, and I'll stay right. away from you, I never, I never knew, knew you. you. I think we experience that. And I think some of these couples that I'm mentioning are experiencing that right now, um, where they're kind of like, yeah, didn't I, wasn't I a pastor's wife for 40 years, and didn't I do this and that, and didn't I go on mission trips, and didn't I tithe? And the Lord's like, yeah, I never knew you. Wow. Because if I did, it would not be possible for you to make that choice. That's, I mean, it's hard to even think about these kinds of things. And it's crazy to think that these are things that are going on here in America in 2023, that there are people who are being asked this. And that it's people who, um, you know, I think we kind of get this idea that, oh, yeah, if somebody's raised in another religion, this might happen. Like there's a popular um, Instagram page called called Hidden Christians. It's a really great page. This young uh, Indian man who was raised in the Hindu faith and his family completely rejected him, told him that he, you know, isn't their son anymore. He's rejected their entire cultural identity because he, he chose Christ. And he encourages other believers uh, who are in similar situations, raised in faiths like Islam, Jehovah's Witness, things like that who have become Christians. And we think about that, but we don't really think about it happening to people where, you know, maybe the people just aren't really religious. And I think the problem is we don't think about secularism as a religion, but I really think that we need to start categorizing it as a religion because it's, you know, you have people saying you need to choose me and my religion, secular humanism, or you can choose to not have me and to keep your Christian faith, but you can't have both. Right. It's insanity. I mean, and, 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 well, the world is insanity, but it's just, it's just really hitting close to home right now. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I have such compassion for these people because, uh, you know, just to see marriages break apart over this, or to see families disintegrate mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. this. Right, because the family is really the smallest unit of the church. Yes, and so yeah, you're, you're that's seeing, really you're seeing important m- truth. Micro church splits over this. You're, yeah. I mean, you think about the long range implications. Mm. If you think of it as a family tree or as a flow chart, you see it just all of a sudden something splits and goes in different directions. Yeah, I mean, and wow. that, that continues to split off, and you know, it's it's a it's a crazy thought, and I think that. These people that are in these situations are such an incredible example of what it looks like to choose the harder way. Right. Because as much as it seems dramatic when we talk about things like, you know, stories of people not having medical insurance, stories of people who are relying completely on God for their financial provision and, you know, experiencing miracles and those things seem crazy. But to me... It seems so much harder and so much crazier to say, okay, I have to choose Christ over my family. To me, that seems about a million times harder than uh, any of these other things. Yeah, and I think that's why um, 
a lot of these things that we talk about, the practical application of trying to choose the harder way so that we can learn to walk the life of faith, overcome our tendency to control, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can we can conquer our fears. That's why it's highly personalized. Because right. if you were to say to me, no insurance for you, those kinds of things, I would be like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say to me, choose the Lord over your grandchildren and your children, I would I would choose the Lord. Yeah, but it would be the hardest thing you'd ever have to do. It would be like just ripping my heart out and stomping on it in the dirt. You know, I mean, it was just it would be horrific. I I literally am almost at choking up right now. I'm I'm trying to just stop thinking about just it. Thinking about that. And I've heard that's funny you mentioned grandchildren because that's something that I've actually been hearing a lot is people who have said, "Yeah, my grandchildren are very much against Christianity. They think Christianity is hateful and bigoted. They have all of these negative connotations of what it means. They, you know, are kind of involved in all of this kind of anti-biblical gender stuff and all this. And they've said, if you don't tell me that what I'm doing is right, not just if you don't love me or if you don't accept me, but if you don't tell me that what I'm doing is right and that God's fine with it, then I'm not going to have a relationship with you because clearly you don't love me. So you hear, you read in scripture, Paul will say things for what I like, like for what I pass, passed on to you is what I heard. You know that Jesus is crucified and resurrected, and he's mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but he's 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 passing on creeds, yeah, right, yeah, and this new um, uh, cult of sexuality, uh, the secular. Uh, worldview that's so prevalent right now has creeds, and so they, what they're saying is, it's it's no different than, um, than somebody coming up to you and saying you need to say Jesus is Lord, and that and you need to say um, I receive baptism and then I dunk you in the water and now you're a Christian, mm. right? It's it's that's that's not a conversion. You're not really a Christian. That that's meaningless. No, it was forced. Right? It was yeah, forced. So it doesn't mean anything. Okay. But it's the same thing is that when is that right now these proto creeds of secular humanism are developing and and the culture or part of the culture is demanding that we state the creeds. Hmm. And we're yeah. saying, I'm a Christian, I can't say those things. Right. I can't say that good is bad and bad is good. I can't say that life is precious, but only sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can't say the image of God is only in some people, or I can see that only some lives have worth. You know, I can't say it that I can't say those things. I can't declare those things and still be a follower of Jesus. It's not. Right. I don't want to be trouble. I don't want. To, I don't want to cause you a problem. I don't want to make your life worse. But I can't repeat the things that I do not believe to be mm-hmm. true. Right, because I think it's important to make that distinction between loving someone and being in a relationship with someone and then disagreeing or saying that the Bible disagrees with a way that they are choosing to live their life or things that they believe. Because you can love someone, you can be in a relationship with them, you can have them in your life, you know, you can do things with them, have conversations, um, be kind to them, all those things. And still, you know, say, you know, when asked, no, I don't agree that that's right. I think the Bible makes it clear that, you know, that's not something that is okay. But 
I love you. God loves you. I'm praying for you. And the problem is that now that's not enough. Right. And that's why we're seeing people that are met with these kind of ultimatums. And so I think it's important really, you know, for those of you out there who are listening to be aware of people that are in your lives that are dealing with these kinds of situations because there's probably more than you think because like you said, you've been hearing this over and over again. I've been hearing this um, a lot recently. These people need our love. They need our support because as Christians, the body of Christ is really to be our truest family. Well, let me, you're right. Let's tunnel down on love and support. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is a big, a big bugaboo. This is a, this is something that the, that the secular world tries to, you know, kind of like do a little jujitsu and, and, and like switch the meanings switch around, switch the meanings around uh-huh. and twist us Christians up. And so love and support. Okay. Let's just make it like, um, your, your, uh, your daughter comes to you. Uh, she weighs, she's, she's five foot 10 and she weighs 85 pounds. Mm. She looks like she's on the verge of death. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, "Daddy, um, I have uh, a, a, a serious obesity issue, and I want to get uh, gastric bypass surgery to deal with my obesity." <laughs> and so you yeah. say, "I want to be loving and supporting." So, sweetheart, let's go down, and we're going to find you a doctor who will um, who will give you a, a bypass surgery to help you look the way you think you're supposed to look. Right, Are we, I mean that, yeah. and, and you and, and our culture today says that's love and that's support. Mm. That's evil, right? If to if somebody is if I love somebody, I have to kindly, mm-hmm. gently, respectfully tell them the truth. Not you're a stupid idiot because you think that you no. that you are obese when you're clearly severely underweight or what's wrong with you right. you're a disgusting person right nothing no. like that nothing like that or at all or even or even you can't be saved or you right. can't be redeemed because here's the truth for you it does not matter what somebody has done where somebody's at God can save anyone Jesus's blood is enough for any of our sins. Yes. You know, sometimes we think that if we haven't been through, you know, these really intense sins that we're somehow in less need of a savior than somebody else. But it doesn't matter if you're the little old church lady or you're the serial killer. Does not matter. We're all sinners and we're all in need of salvation and God can save any of us. So that needs to be our ultimate objective is, is to make sure that number one, we don't compromise. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can co- not compromise, if I'm going to be honest, the only way is to make sure that you are abiding in Christ. Because the only yes. way that you're going to have the strength you need is from Him. Right? We, right. That's the only way that you're going to be able to have the patience and the kindness and the compassion and the long suffering, all those things that you're going to need to be able to deal with the pressures of the world around you. Only are going to be found in Christ. And so if you're not abiding in him, you will compromise. Well, absolutely. I mean, you you really don't stand a chance because, you know, we said earlier, if you're met with, okay, if you don't do this, I'm leaving you. And, you know, you're never going to see your kids again. You're never going to see your grandkids again. We're done. Your, your family's gone. How could you expect anyone to make that kind of a decision unless they have a deep, 
personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, where their love and devotion to him is so much greater than what we we would consider the greatest forms of earthly love, right? Mm-hmm. For our spouses and children and things like that. It ha- that's the only way. Well, I think you have to have also, you have to have real belief, which mm. this, what we've said ties into this idea of belief. Cause you know, belief has three aspects, intellectual, emotional, and volitional. And a lot of people have the intellectual aspect and they may even have some of the emotional aspect of belief, but they don't have the volitional, the action part. Living it out. Right. Living it out and action. And, and here, here's the thing. I don't feel like we get as much choice in how to live it out as we think we do. A lot of times, a lot of times we'll say, okay, Lord, I believe in you and I feel some kind of way. And, and so now I'm going to do what I think a Christian should do or be what I think a Christian should be. And the Lord's saying, oh, no, 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 no. You come to me and I will hand you the things I want to hand you and you will steward them. Mm. And I'll give you the strength and the instructions you need to steward them. But you don't get to pick the problem. Right. I do. Because if we did, you know, we'd pick the problems that are the easiest for us to deal with, right? <laughs> right. It's like that. It's like, but I'll tell you, at the end of the day, the Lord's wisdom is so great that he knows which problems to give us. Because mm-hmm. you think about the story of the uh, guy who went to Jesus and, he's, and he said, Jesus, the scripture says, I'm supposed to take up my cross and follow you. But this cross that I have is too much for me. I can't bear it. And the Lord says, oh, I understand, son. I understand. Come in this room here, and there's, there's, uh, just put your cross down, and there's all these, all the crosses. You can choose a different cross, one that you can bear. And so he, the guy spends days walking around this massive warehouse, and he sees crosses with barbed wire strapped around them, crosses with razors on them. He sees crosses with nails sticking out, giant crosses, crosses that like have you know shark yeah. teeth on them. I mean, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff, yeah. right? And uh, he spends days, and finally he walk, comes to this one cross, and he goes, I think I can handle that one. And the Lord says, are you sure, son? And he goes, yeah, I think that's the right cross for me. I mean, if I'm going to follow you and take a cross, I think that's that's the one I want to take. And he goes, okay, go ahead and take that one. And the guy puts the cross on, and he walks back out of the room, and he says, all right, Lord, I'll follow you with this cross. And Jesus says, okay, son, whatever you say. And, and the guy says, why are you looking at me funny, Jesus? And he goes, well, that's the same cross you walked in with three days ago. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, that's and so the Lord knows. He knows. He He plans the test. He plans the trials. He plans the challenges because He's growing us to be more like Himself. He wants us to be dependent upon Him. I mean, if you look at Israel as a picture, the nation of Israel as a picture of what the Lord meant. He put them in a place uh, that where Israel is located geographically. He put them in a place where they had to be dependent upon Him. Mm-hmm. Militarily, yeah, uh, for the water cycle to work, for everything. I mean that that ground. They had not... to have confidence in God's providence. Yeah, and if they didn't, they didn't make it. And He puts us in the same kind of a place. He wants us to be that in that position. He mm-hmm. wants us to be dependent, so that we have that great because because ultimately He wants the intimacy, the relationship, the closeness with us. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of His ego; it's because He knows that's best for us. That's the truth, isn't it? It reminds you, you know, of a story of my grandmother. She she caught on fire one time when she was a little girl. Oh. And that was what was, you know, decades before stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. And uh, there was a man who was wearing a long coat, like a, like a trench coat. Mm-hmm. And the man yelled, run to me, run to me. And she just did. And as he ran to her, she 
uh, he wrapped his coat around her and he patted out the fire. And she was uh, only had like first degree burns. Her clothes were burned and her hair was burned, but her body she mostly had first degree burns, a couple little second degree burns. That was wow. It. And no she was she was on fire, so yeah, that could, no, that could have killed her. No scars, nothing. Wow. And uh, uh, I think that's what the Lord is saying to us: is like you know the, you know you're on fire, hmm. and, and the best thing for you is just to run, run to, to me, me, so I can wrap my coat around you, wrap my wings around you, as Jesus describes it uh, in Matthew, mm-hmm. and. And I can put the flames out and I can protect you and I can give you safety. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful picture of really the relationship that we should all seek to be having with Christ of just abiding in him, allowing him to, to wrap his arms around us. And that that's the only way that we're going to be able to be met with these, these terrible choices and be able to say, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to choose Jesus above everything else, above everyone else. And how in the world is that going to work out? I do not know, but God knows. Seven words of faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.